0: Welcome to Season 2 of the Revenue Marketing Report, powered by CaliberMind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Camilla Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Paul Rupert. Paul, please introduce yourself.
1: Hi, Camilla. Uh, well, I have two decades' experience in the mobile technology, media, and telecommunications segment. Throughout my career, I've integrated multidisciplinary skills spanning frontline selling, Sales leadership, business development, uh, award-winning product development, strategic partnerships, revenue operations, marketing, and long-term acquisition strategy inside startups, scale-ups, and global enterprises, yielding pretty exceptional results. I helped take a startup from scratch to a $500 million liquidity event within the the course of five years in a, a brand new technology, which we all utilize today, which is text messaging. Nice. And I have two patents in this space as well. So wow,
0: wow, that's that's a huge breadth. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't keep a job very long, and I'm never really happy in what I'm doing. I guess
0: <laughs> <laughs> like to move around a little bit.
1: Not really, but yes, you get the idea.
0: So in preparing for the episode, we brought up soft skills and how selling is really important when positioning initiatives or asking for resources, and not just selling externally. And some of your background, which wasn't covered in your intro, came up. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Uh, We were talking specifically about a book that we've both read called Influencing Without Authority. And uh, I discovered that book about uh, 15 years ago. It caught my interest because one of the things that I've been described as being is an ambidextrous executive. That's a fancy way of saying, well, I've got both um, high level experience in the federal government um, as well as in the private sector. And uh, when I was in the government, I learned very uh, very soon in my first job, when I was 24 years old, I was working for a United States senator uh, named John Danforth from Missouri. And um, the administrative assistant, which is kind of like the chief operating officer of a U.S. senator, trained all of us with the same skills as to you are three calls away from talking to a cabinet secretary. You know, and I'm sure, you know, if pretty full of yourself, 24 year old, but I was a little skeptical of that, (laughs) but then I saw it in action and um, I had influence without having any authority <laughs> and all the power that I had in making a telephone call to the right person and then um, expressing the interest of my principal, i.e., the boss, meaning Jack, we could indeed have a conversation with a cabinet secretary pretty quickly. So that was kind of the foundation of um, that type of experience. And then later on, again in my first career, uh, I arced a development or my arc of development, including running political campaigns. And then eventually, Eventually, I was working in the White House a very short stint working for George Herbert Walker Bush. And uh, throughout that tenure that I had, um, that was constantly in play in being able to uh, manipulate or persuade you in terms of others, I should say, in terms of what their needs are and having an understanding of that and not necessarily what your needs are first. Uh, and I have to say that even in the context of my own experience, I was probably genetically predisposed to that because I happened to be half French. And um, by the time that I was, when I was, my first trip to France was when I was five. And then I had um, spent most of my summers until I was about 17 there. And that gave me another perspective that was not always my own. It was certainly different than most of my peers and friends who lived in Rocky River, Ohio, which was a suburb of Cleveland at the time. So, so those factors all combined to um, when I was in the private sector, especially running sales and being a sales executive, carrying a bag, so to speak. I always looked it through the lens of what do I know about them? What do I know about their needs? And what are the interests not only in the room, but perhaps even outside of the room? Kind of a three-dimensional negotiating if you will. So all that was all wrapped together in that nice little package called Influencing Without Authority. So if you if your readers, excuse me, if your listeners haven't seen that, they should just, they should definitely check it out. I mean, I was looking at it this morning, just in preparation for our conversation.
0: Yeah. And it's so applicable to operations because there's so many times when you have to influence people to uh, get behind an initiative that on the surface doesn't seem like it has uh, immediate ROI. So it's really important to understand how to communicate and pull in what motivates the people around you.
1: So. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, you know, as I said, oftentimes in trying to get legislation passed, you're partnering with your potential adversaries. But in the political world, your adversaries are going to become your allies in many different forms beyond just getting a boat of uh, a support for that piece of legislation. And then lo and behold, you know, landing in and again, in my own experience, landing in as an emerging technology, which was then called mobile services. Uh, my first job was working for a mobile network operator now known as AT&T, but it was first launched in 1997 as a mobile services provider. Here I am being tasked as being a product development director in a matrixed organization i'm like okay so i'm responsible for the outcome but i don't have any authority over the resources that's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how we do things here yes sir okay (laughs) hence once again same type of some people call it small p politics Uh, same idea you know and recently um just just take one step forward in the roles that i've held i've held strategic partnership responsibilities, both in the political world and the private sector. You know, I came across a guy named Fred Kopsteig, who has written a book called Selling Through Partnering Skills. And he specifically talks about a PQ. Well, you've got an IQ, you have an EQ. And he was talking about a PQ, which is partnership quotient and your ability to see through or identify various factors that make you a better facilitator of partnerships, if you will. So good stuff there. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And this is probably the closest to political we'll ever get on this show. (laughs) I do want to point out, I think I see less collaboration across the aisle right now, but historically, how things kept moving forward in the government was negotiating and gives and takes, right? So in order to get a bill passed, you really had to negotiate and and back other initiatives that maybe you didn't initially
1: back. That's right. You know, the the old adage, I was in the Senate after the Reagan administration. But, you know, the reality of Ronald Reagan, where he spoke of uh, Tip O'Neill and my people kind of questioned that friendship and his retort was anybody who votes for me 70 percent of the time is a friend. So, Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So I was wondering if we could maybe give a couple tangible examples. So in operations, uh, it's really common to get resistance when you want to take the time to put something operational in place. Um, sometimes either sales or marketing views it as slowing down and not getting things done as quickly, even though you're trying to prep them for scale. In those kinds of circumstances, what are the things people should be thinking about as as their garnering support for Mm -hmm. an initiative
1: sure you know in the parlance of sales what you're really identifying here is qualifying their needs and finding and exploring via questioning Mm -hmm. constant questioning Mm -hmm. to the point where you finally have a sense of okay this is, you know, let's say their needs map, if you will. This is the train of what the interests are. And again, not only those that you might be working with, but also those who might not be seen in the conversation. To drop another, name drop another book, there's a great book called Three Dimensional or 3D Negotiations. It's written by a guy named James Sabanius, and he's a professor at Harvard Business School. And he's been teaching the same course for over 30 years now, which is called Negotiations Analysis. And I took his course. 30 years ago when he was a fairly young professor at the time in his 30s. The same idea in the context of always look at the dynamics of what you see at the table, but also maybe beyond the walls of the negotiations that you may not be aware of. And so that's just essentially making an assessment of where's the mutual utility? Where's the Venn diagram of your interests and their interests? And then being able to have, let's say, the uh, deal-making skills to think outside of the box and bring in factors that may not have been raised in the context of the negotiations, but may have again an interest there. Uh, it just may not be the focus of the, the let's say the conflict over the negotiations, which is what people are always focusing on, anyways. You know, let's say the uh, the conflict the and the the ability to resolve those conflicts. But there are other ways that you can look at an equation and look for other factors uh, to analyze and bring to the table.
0: Yeah, and I I like, and, and you touched on this, but I really like focusing on their key objectives and what they're responsible for. And anytime you can tie back what you're doing to how it will benefit them is just, it helps.
1: Yeah, you know, and even in the context of, you know, Steve Jobs, The core of much of his success, which he identified was the ability to tap into unarticulated needs, unarticulated demand. That too creates or that too requires a high degree of creativity to be able to quote, think outside of the box instead of just looking at everything that's the procedural elements of the engagement and go beyond that, go beyond the margins and start looking at other factors.
0: So many times when you discover an issue in operations, it comes about because somebody has complained about something and you're doing research. So think back to that original complaint and where it's coming from. And you probably have a good start for where your argument should be based.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, being able to do the uh, due diligence, if you will.
0: Yeah. Hi, I'm Kamala Thompson, Director of Growth at CaliberMind. A lot of times we talk to prospects and they're excited about modernizing their marketing analytics, but they're worried about the data underneath. And that's a valid concern. That's why we came up with our Back to Basics Bootcamp to help you address all of the issues that stand in the way of you and insights that actually make sense. We'll meet each month to review a best practice. In addition to that, you'll walk away with handouts that go through how to implement each piece and a Slack channel where you can ask experts on demand about your organization, your processes, your systems. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's free and product agnostic and we really suggest that you take us up on it. The program starts on February 8th, 2022 and space is limited. So register today at calibermind.com. So what are, we've talked about finding motivators. We've talked about collaboration. What are other tactics that tend to be useful if you're not making any headway there?
1: Well, you know, so much of this is situational. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no, I'm not a believer that there's, you know, the uh, three point rule to resolving all issues, (laughs) you know, and I get this question oftentimes because I I do a lot of consulting to financials who are making investment decisions and they want to have a sense of what's the differentiator between these five different companies. And it's like, well. They're all kind of different, but they're Mm -hmm. kind of the same. And you're focusing on the sameness and thinking that they're all the same. Issue or the same characteristics, and I focus it on. Here are the differences, which are distinct and, dis- and distinct and critical in their differences. You know, as I say, it it really depends, and this is why having an open mind relative to looking at the problem is really the. If there's one thing to do, if I may, I just kind of stumbled onto that one thing, which is keep an open mind relative to what the objectives are. Mm -hmm. and have a sense of what, again, where they're coming from and whether there's a resolution point. And the resolution point may be immediate or it could be deferred. Uh, It could be shelved, Uh, coming back to it. There are a lot of different techniques to be able to address that, which incorporate both selling skills as well as negotiating skills. I'm a believer that there's really no wall between the two.
0: Yeah. No, I really like that point because the solution may be putting whatever you're trying to do on hold and addressing a more major issue for the person who's kind of stonewalling you. And then you have a negotiation (laughs) tactic that you can leverage to later push across the thing you wanted to do.
1: Yeah. You know, and I'll I'll take something from my uh, freshman intro psychology class, which on day one, I remember looking at the book And um, coming across the following, which was, if you are looking for a friend, ask for a favor. And who said that? Benjamin Franklin. Hmm. And it's been an adage that I've recognized that if you ask for help, most people are very, very reticent and reluctant to ask for help. But when you do, that's just an element of humanity in most of us, the vast, vast majority of us mm-hmm. in the context of, sure, what can I do to help you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as a result, even in the context of, you know, let's say you're, you know, within the premise of your question, which was that operational conflict as to, look, here's where we both have common shared interests here. I'm, I'm asking you for this resolution because there's mutual utility behind it. You're going to get something. I'm going to get something. Don't claim all the value on the table. I'm not trying to claim all the value on the table, you know, and uh, I'll I'll do the trade off or I need a favor. So,
0: yeah, I like that. I think vulnerability has been a huge theme with uh, particularly with the pandemic and with everybody's lives exposed. At risk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Well, at risk and exposed because you have yeah. kids running in and we're finally uh, finding that forgiveness we should have always had. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, there's definitely an opportunity for gives and takes there. That's, that's, that's a great point.
1: Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I've done business in 80 countries and, um, you know, in many cases, I've been, let's say, the outsider as an American in that context. But at the same time, I had a a better sense of how to be able to break that barrier down with a lot of different ways of doing it, even in in how I dressed.
0: (laughs) I would love to hear more about that, actually. So so many of us are very informal in how we dress, but we know perceptions are always really influential. So Hmm. dig into that a little bit more.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, so, I guess what's the question here in the context of do superficialities matter? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. Superficialities do matter because it's all taken in context and it can go both ways. So, I'll give you an example. As I mentioned earlier, I happen to be half French when I was right out of college. As I mentioned, I was working for a United States senator and I had to buy a wardrobe. Mm-hmm. suits coats jackets because you don't walk around the senate of the or the halls of the senate at least you didn't then which is now about 30 years ago when i was in my 20s you really couldn't do that because you are there as a servant of the people now that doesn't mean you're wearing gucci, shoes, uh, gucci suits or something of that nature but the reality was that that suit of armor if you will projected a certain reality and the reality was that you are were a serious person, and the contexts of that environment were that these are at the accoutrement, the, the standard operating aspects of it. And later, when I was working globally and doing all the selling that I was doing across 80 different countries, eventually, the reality was that. Uh, I came in and I looked the part of a vice president of a global organization and the culture of the telecommunications and the media and and, uh, the technology business was that. Now, just the opposite occurred when once when I became a consultant to Facebook and this was when Facebook was just let's call it an emerging high profile tech company. It's not Facebook as we know today. Yes. I mean, in fact, it was in 2008, 2009 timeframe. And I walked in wearing kind of the usual casual, uh, dressy, casual California attire, which was blazer. I didn't wear chinos, but you get the idea. And I walked mm-hmm. in and everybody was wearing hoodies. I mean, literally everybody was wearing hoodies. Now, I had already skewed the the average age in the building considerably because they were all in their you know mid-20s, maybe early 30s. And at the time, I was about 40-something. So... That matters on both sides of the equation. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you have to be dressed up all the time because in that context, you know, here's the reverse factor where I was clearly out of the norm. But in the context of the opposite way where I came in and, you know, dress specifically, many times I was asked, you know, are you Canadian? And I'm like, what do you mean? Why would I, why would you think I was Canadian? Well, you know, you're wearing a really nice suit and most Americans aren't walking in with really, I'm like, okay, if, if that's how you feel, I hadn't heard that one before, but that was one of those, wow, that kind of stuck with me. And the other thing I have to say that this is also, again, from the political world, when Security is established for, as you've seen, like, you know, with the insurrection movement, et cetera, back in the White House, as well as the Capitol. So you can get through certain levels of security based on what you are wearing. Okay. So if you're working in the White House complex, you are wearing a badge. And if you were a visitor, you would have a badge that has a very large V on it. So it's mm-hmm. discernible. It's distinguishable. It's readily observed by security. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the White House staff, you then have these things called hard pins, which are lapel pins every day they change. And each pin has a different level of security that if need be, if you're like, you know, let's say the deputy chief of staff, you can walk right into the president's office, into the Oval Office because Mm -hmm. of that one pin. So these little things that are micro impacting, if you will, have an importance not only because of making the relationships that you have or that you're trying to establish, you know, with those across the table, whether you're selling, whether you're negotiating, whether you're partnering, et cetera, but also just in the context of the environment that you're operating in.
0: Have you dealt with organizations that have quite a bit of conflict between sales and marketing? We've touched on this quite a bit, and I'm wondering if
1: you've seen this. Well, I've run sales and marketing in the same organization. So, yes, I I would say I have, and I'll be candid with you in the context of the marketing representative, the marketing lead in one scenario really didn't have a very good grasp of the industry Hmm. and they were putting out uh, claims and strategies that I looked at. And finally, I was like, I had to go to the CEO and tell him this ain't going to work for me because I've got all these years of experience. And granted, the individual has lots of experience in marketing per se, but lacks the understanding of the underlying business.
0: Yeah. So Context does in- everything is what That's I'm right. hearing over and
1: over. <laughs> That's right. And instead of having an understanding of the business, they had an understanding of the processes relative to marketing. All good. And finally, you know, in having the conversation with the CEO and it was a little bit conflicted because he had hired this individual. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And finally we came to the conclusion as to, yeah, Paul, you're right. Okay, you're gonna run this. What are you what are your first steps? And I, you know, broke it out as to, well, I'm not gonna take over that role because I've got now Mm -hmm. I'm straddling different functions. Mm -hmm. And immediately I promoted two women who one was in product development or product marketing and the other one is in corporate marketing and Mm -hmm. moved them into those roles and split the job between the two of them Mm -hmm. and, you know, approached in that way. And that was one way of resolving it. It's not the best way because you don't want to take everybody's head off. But in that context, it was a matter of the skills were not transferable. They didn't have enough experience. Now, I've seen the opposite direction also work where I was in as a consultant to a company that was uh, Croatian. And it was in the context of I came in and immediately the marketing person sought me out, the marketing lead, and said, I need to get a brain dump from you because I've got this understanding up to here now you're coming in and you're essentially helping the rest of the organization including the leadership team to raise their game and raise their understanding of the business and that includes me so smart yeah she was very sharp and you know we spent almost like three days together just going through all the different pieces of her marketing strategy or marketing plan and aligning it with the dynamics of the behavior of the industry the terrain of the industry the, uh, the past of the industry the projections of the industry everything so she was fully aligned between the processes as well as the terrain that she had to apply those processes
0: yeah i've always seen a bit of a misalignment between sales and marketing in terms of uh, objectives so marketing is always trying to function on this massive output that engages as many people as possible, whereas sales is just trying to hit their number. So there's a misalignment already in what their objectives are.
1: Yeah. Again, from my own personal experience, I've come in and, and as I said, taken over the sales and commercial uh, direction of the company and sat down with even the person who I eventually uh, fired. The reality was everything you need to do has got to drive funnel. Yeah. Everything. Yep. That's the that's the standard. It all drives sales. Now there's a lot of different ways to do this. It doesn't have to be measurable. I can live with ambiguity. It's the nature of marketing. But let's a lot figure of people don't understand that.
0: Are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I used I, I spent a lot of time running political campaigns. There's lots of ambiguity oh, uh, yeah. behind that. You know, you can't make those kind of bets.
0: Yeah, how'd that commercial or mailer hit? I
1: Exactly. I think it went well.
0: We got the votes. <laughs> that,
1: yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. you got the idea. Yeah. Great. It's been a pleasure having a conversation with you.
0: Oh, yes. Um, Thank you so much. So, Paul, sure. where can people find you online and get in touch with you?
1: So, I'm uh, readily available. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Paul R. Rupert, which is R-U-P-P-E-R-T, as well as on Instagram, same handle. Or you can send me an email directly at uh, p. Rupert R-U-P-P-E-R-T, at gpvltd.com. GPV stands for my company which is global point view limited
0: wonderful and we'll include links in the show notes which for those of you who don't know what show notes are if you go to the app you're listening in and you tap on the show it'll the notes will pull up so for those of you listening who enjoy the show please rate review subscribe and tell a couple of friends and for those of you looking for more great content like this check out calibermind.com.